Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Hi everyone, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you could join me today because we're going to be speaking with Amy Marston, who's one of the co-founders of Te Mapua. And I had a really amazing conversation with her, I guess partly because I'm a parent. We went really deep about the concepts of whanau and children. And I'd honestly had a limited understanding of what whanau could mean in the context of families and communities. So we have a fascinating conversation about it. Here's an excerpt from the interview with Amy, where I was asking her about her Maori culture and heritage and what it meant to her. But I think more than the learning, it's just part of who I am. Like It surprises me the things that naturally I will do when you learn about it or study about it in and, and, and the Maori world. It's very much a Maori viewpoint and a Maori worldview, um, but it's inherent in me. So the two the two are relating, but it's mm. like what came first, the chicken or the yeah. the egg, you know? Yeah, like it's a natural alignment. It exactly. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just who I am and how I work, and um, but it, it it matches beautifully. So I think there's a lot to be said for just what's in you, isn't there? And mm. then recognizing that that's a cultural gift as well. Mm. But I just love I just love the way Māori think about people. People are the most important thing, um, the land and the grounding of who we are. And having a tūranga waiwai, a strong standing place, like a, a, a position of strength, of mm. knowing who you are and what you're about, all of that is just so valuable for us as people and, and our tamariki and, and rangatahi. All of that is, is subliminally important. Mm. The interview with Amy was a lot of fun. And I certainly learned a heap about children, communities, and some of the initiatives that they're doing at Te Mapua. And I found it really challenging, actually. So I hope you enjoy it as well. Now, next week, we're going to be speaking with Michael Trengrove, who also started something to do with children called Code Club. And Code Club goes into primary schools and teaches children how to code and what software is. So again, it's a completely different topic, but that theme of purpose runs through each of the interviews. And I want to say thanks to everybody who's leaving ratings and reviews of the show and telling your friends about it, because it really helps to get the word out. Now, let's get into the interview with Amy. It's a pleasure to welcome Amy Marston today, who is one of the co-founders of Te Mapua and is also a director there. Thank you for joining me. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, on this show, we talk a lot about purpose. And in order to do that, it's helpful to go back and look at a person's life mm. and think about the threads that may have led to what they're doing now. Mm. So I'm really, really interested in what you're doing, particularly with young people and children Yes. and the organization that, that you founded. Mm. Um, and what that involves. But in order to tell that part of the story, let's go right back to the beginning. Mm. And let's just hear a little bit about you. Um, where are you from? Yes, I am from Christchurch, um, but I hail to an iwi up north in the Waikato, um, at the Tainui iwi. So my whakapapa is, is from up north, but my current family have been in Christchurch for the longest time. So the Tarawhiti Whanau have made a spot down here. Right. <laughs> so this was home for you growing up? Yes, it was. Yeah, I yeah. grew up in Christchurch and my husband too. Um, and he and I, I met <clears throat> as teenagers volunteering at a children's camp and sort of uh, Tamapua grew out of that really, out of that experience. Yeah. But uh, as I was growing up, my parents fostered. 
they had children through our home. Um, we had over 200 kids come and go through our home over many years, um, some of them babies and some of them teenagers. And so I think there was an awareness early on that there was a need in Christchurch mm. and that um, you know some families needed a little bit more, I feel a little bit more help than others. Um, so did you, you had some siblings as well? One up, brother, yep, yep, James, he's in Australia at the moment and um, he and I, you know, we would come home from school and uh, any configuration of family would be waiting for us. Right. Sometimes it was twins and a cot and other times it was teenagers. And yeah. so he and I were the, the ones that, um, you know, we got really close actually through through that time. Yeah. So he's awesome. And had they been doing that before you were born as well or was it sort of in your early childhood? No, they had me first and James 22 months later. And then when we started school, um, probably for a period of about seven or eight years uh, mum and dad fostered mm. over that time wow so you would have been like five till 13 or something mm. like that yes and what yeah. was it that caused them to to do that mm, that's a good question I think um mum and dad both have always been involved with um young people and had a real heart for others mum's a real um nurturer and a cook she's a brilliant cook and she just loves to look look after people and dad had always been involved with um looking after young guys and uh, and boys brigade and things like that um and i think together they saw a need and they thought they could could do it and mm. i think that's probably reflected in in my relationship with my husband dan where we've, we've both had that same kind of feel that we it's something we can do so we should mm. so it's something that you grew up very early on, age five, six, yes. coming home and seeing new kids around yeah, the table. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just, I just love children. I, I, I always have. And as soon as I could, I got involved in teaching them in Sunday schools and in kids clubs, and um, and then volunteering as a, a leader at children's camps in my holidays. Mm. Um, and that was a really great opportunity to see children from all walks of life. Mm. Um, and when I met Dan in that same environment, he'd had a similar journey. His his whanau, um are a family that, that help in Christchurch too, and particularly with solo mums and um, women and families that were needing support. So he sort of had a bit of an open door policy at his his home too. Yeah. So when we met together, um, it was a bit of a no-brainer. Just <laughs> <laughs> it all came together as one, huh? It did, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, you used the word whānau there, and we've got people who are listening mm. overseas. And I'm really interested in that word. <laughs> yes. Because I think in New Zealand it has a real special significance, yes. or it, it should have a special significance. Yes. And I'm just curious, what did that mean for you growing up with sort of, I guess, the Maori heritage as mm. well? Mm. Um, how did that play out in your daily life? Yeah, so whānau um, is more than just the people around you. It's the feeling that you bring to each other. And it's the tanga, the relationships that make your life tick and that input into you and so I think growing up in my whānau there was definitely a sense that whoever was around that that kitchen table or around that dinner table was for that time part of us and important to us and we all gave way for their needs um, as, as best we could and that's a great lesson to learn I think as a preteen as well because you're not naturally wired that way um and i remember having some struggles in those in those years sort of needing to give way to some of my preferences <laughs> and embrace the needs of the others around me um but a very good learning learning you know sort of experience for us mm. no, yeah. that's great and so that part or that cultural aspect of your life that was there 
right through your childhood it as was, well? It was, yes, it was, and has definitely developed into our family life. Mm. Now we have people that have become whānau um, who have served with us in Tamapua and given their heart and soul and time and finance and energy, and they've become aunties and uncles to our children mm. and um, brothers and sisters to us and, and, and real, real whānau in the truest sense of the word. Mm. I was on your website and looking and some of the titles for people was like auntie or... So that's a reflection of that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have a mama Kendall and a papa Josh. Right. And (laughs) and Auntie Alex. (laughs) Yeah. It is great. Some of those key people in our team that have um, helped establish Tamapo and how we do what we do. And yes, it is. It is reflective of that that kind of that family relationship that that matters. Um, And the thing I like about what you're saying as well is that you're using the term whanau in a much broader sense than I think. Mm. people would traditionally uh, you know from a western perspective it it might literally be translated i guess maybe people would think it was family right but you're actually using it a much broader way aren't Mm. you it's it's actually much wider it is more encompassing more more um accepting of absolutely and that's the fakaro the thought behind Mm. um how we operate it Tamapo, we, we base um, ourselves on um, Hefare Tapafa, which is a, a mental health model of mm. care for people. And what I love about it is there's four aspects that are really equally important. And at Tamapo, we embrace those fully. And one of them is whānau, mm. for knowing a tongue of the relationships that you develop with each other. And so, what that means for us when we're working with the kids is it's not babysitting or kind of a club environment it's very much a a family vibe where they belong with us and we care about the little things like Mm. are their shoelaces done did they brush their teeth well this morning have they had enough to eat like really those things really matter Mm. Um, and then tinana which is your your body and your health and um, so we equip our kids with clothing and toothbrushes and uh, footwear and things that they practically need and care for their physical health Mm. hiningaro which is your mind Mm. and um and about training, uh, you know, good responses from from you when you're angry, when you're upset, or um, the way you think about yourself and belief in yourself. And then wairua, which is your spirit, mm. um, which is acknowledging that there is a greater a greater God, Te Atua, and um, and our belief about faith, hope, and love coming from from that place is intertwined in all that we do. So mm. that and so that's very much, as you say, a different fakaro, yeah. a different thought, maybe from from the Westernized. Um, I think so. I think, you know, from a Western point of view, particularly in the last few decades, it's very individualistic. You know, it's what can I achieve? Look at me. You know, I'm successful. And you often see that even in um, entrepreneurial worlds that somebody founds a company or something and then it's it's my company. and, 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 you know, there's a term actually in social enterprise area, which I'm doing quite a lot of work in heropreneurship where somebody becomes the hero you know (laughs) of the entrepreneur so it's quite a contrast to take those sort of western mindset views which are individualistic very focused on what can i get out of the situation yes and think more i guess the term i'm thinking of is holistically yes absolutely about, about a person and where they fit in the context of not just that one life but 
the wider group. Absolutely. I think that sums sums it up. Yeah, mm. there's definitely a holistic approach. Gives us some freedoms too because it means that when we're working with our kids and our young people, we're not just stuck on one agenda. You know, we get to look at all of the things that they are and how we can serve them mm. in every way. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. And is that, that approach, is that something that you've developed over the years or did you come in thinking this is what we want to do yeah. in a holistic way? I think it's always been present. I think um, as we've gone on, because we've been going for about 20 years mm. now as Tamapua, um, we've been more intentional about training our caregivers to deliver uh, in those ways. But it's always been inherent in what we mm. what we do. I think it's the heart of what, what we do, wanting to balance those four essential ingredients to healthy, happy people yeah. and, and do, you know, honour each of them well. Mm. No, I love it. It's a great concept and I think other parts of society could learn from that <laughs> because it is that holistic view, not just viewing, mm. well, you're an employee and that's it and you're yes. here from nine till five. Actually, there's other context Absolutely. here. There's other relationships. So we've kind of jumped ahead to mm, what you're sorry. doing now. No, no, it's all good. I wanted to explore it because I, I love that um, that you've been able to integrate, I guess, some of the Maori traditions and mm. cultures into what you're doing. Um and let's talk about that more in a, yes. in a few minutes. But just backing up to your own childhood, mm. what sort of child were you? What's, what type of things did you mm. enjoy? I was a bit of an overachiever as a child. I loved homework. And, you know, I was one of those kids that did the homework in the homework book and then spent hours decorating it <laughs> and adding my own flair. Um, I don't know where that went. Uh, as I got a little bit older, that part disappeared a little bit more and the social the social side of school became more my focus. Right. Um, but <laughs> did, the, did the creative <laughs> side, though, the colouring in and things at that uh, stage? Yeah, well, <laughs> a little bit. I guess I'm a creative problem solver. That's probably where my creativity shows mm. now. Um, yes, but I'm energised by people. I love I love people and have always loved people. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed my childhood. I had, a, I had an enjoyable childhood. Um, but I always had big dreams and big big plans mm -hmm. what were some of those plans as a as a child is this high school days or uh well even earlier i i, th I thought i'd have a hundred kids and uh <laughs> you know we'd have we'd have we'd have a whole par a whole block of um yeah. homes and and things and i guess tamapa is one of those ways that that's out working a little bit mm. um but yes i just i just always was dreaming big and um my husband would say that's probably one of my positives and the negatives because when when we um, met, he he was one of those guys that did everything he could to kind of help the vision happen. So I'd say we need a giant, giant jigsaw heart, and Dan would go to the back of his car and try and try and create something create and something. rally everybody together. And and it just got more and more ridiculous the things that I thought we needed. <laughs> <laughs> but he was very faithful in, in, in doing a great job and he won me over in the end by that tenacity. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And so I even in childhood or early adulthood, you, you c I got the sense that you knew children was going to be part of that. Yes, definitely, yeah. yeah. And so as a as a teenager sort of going to high school, was there certain subjects you were studying that reflected that or what, mm. what, what took your interest at that point? Yeah, um, not hugely. I did do some child development papers and things at, um, at high school when I got a wee bit bigger, but it didn't really, it wasn't really a focus or a feature in my schooling. It was more my extracurricular time. Mm. Um, when I was old enough to independently do something, mm. uh, that was the time in my life where I was spending at camp in my holidays. And um, 
and that was really great. And, and these camps were just for any children. Uh, and they'd come along and, and, and pay to come and get involved. There was a small group of children that were sponsored to come um, because they they needed some extra TLC. Mm-hmm. And I found um, of a camp of 100 kids, those five were the ones that I was gravitating towards. And mm. my heart was really pulled towards them and probably reflective of um, growing up in my home yeah. where we did have children there that had some needs that were different to the to mainstream. Um, and so when I was 17, um, I started running the camps in my school holidays and we flipped that ratio on its head and we had 95% of the children that were um, that were coming because they needed some extra support and AFI help and TLC, tender loving care, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, 5% that were sort of p- paying paying the camp fee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that was where Tamapo really was was birthed. Right. Um, so what year is this that we're talking about? I'm terrible with years. It was 20 years ago. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just before 2000 sort yes, of time. That yeah, sounds yeah. about right, yeah. Ah. yeah. And just on the camp side of things, you know, camps, what do you think it is about going away or mm. going on a camp that, that is, it does create lasting memories for it children. Does. And there's something that is special about it. But I'm just keen to yeah. hear your perspective because... You've obviously been involved in camps for years. What is it, do you think, that makes it that way? I think it's probably the closest environment you get to living as a family, to living as a whānau. And in terms of caring for all uh, of a person, it's the best environment for that because you're waking up, you know, starting the day together. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with the ups and downs of the day. Um, I think sometimes with our children, when things aren't resolved, when arguments or misunderstandings aren't resolved they they get bigger than they need to be in their normal life mm. but at camp we have the time to stop and focus on those things and and make apologies and fix things up and move on to something rewarding and positive <clears throat> so it gives us a really great opportunity to look at the whole child and care for them and all their needs um we talk a lot with our team about the antecedents of behaviour, what are the things before the behaviour presents and the bulk of our care is spent attending to those, you know. Mm. And do they sleep well? You know, are they still tired? Are they, are they lonely? Are they hungry? Um, has something been misunderstood? Have they, you know, you know, have they been in the right spot at the right time to hear the instruction? Um, and so we spend a lot of time caring for that. And I think when you've just got a program for a couple of hours or even a school day, you don't get the same opportunity to make sure that they're looked after in every way. Mm. And so, and different things come up at camp, you know. Um, you know, a, a child might need extra support at night time that a teacher wouldn't see. Um, or, um, you know, they might need support around their learning or development or social skilling that mum might not necessarily see. Mm. So it gives us a unique opportunity to fill some gaps for children. Mm. Um, plus, you just it's heaps of fun. I mean, we <laughs> do great stuff. There's go-karts and there's, you know, for our older kids, we have bonfire roasting, you know, marshmallows on the bonfire and just great stuff. They swim and they run and they chase and they play and good fresh air. Mm. Um, you know, there's hardly a TV in sight. You know, the electronics, we don't have any of them at camp. It's just good, old-fashioned, fresh air, mm. sunshine, great caregivers that are caring for them like surrogate parents in that in that moment. And um, just it's just awesome. So they build great quality relationships with, with the caregiver team and with each other, with, with the other kids. Camps where we started and our other programs have branched off from that, but camps remain our mainstay because of that 
unique yep. opportunity to bless kids yeah. thoroughly. And it's quite different to saying, like, we've got a meeting and it's going to start at 9.45 yes. and it's going to finish at 10.15. Yeah. We've got 30 minutes to talk about whatever the, the thing is, you know, exactly. what you're saying, you know, wake up, breakfast, activities, mm. lunch, afternoon. Like, there's that, I guess there's the less hurried approach Definitely. to the individual and And so much time to pour in positivity and praise and build them up for who they are and what they're doing Mm -hmm. um talk to me about that what is what does that mean that's so important to us to catch our kids being good um a lot of our children or all our children come to Tamapo via a referral process right and so someone has recognized a need in their family and for them um, and for some kids, that means that their families are ticking along really well, mm. but they're dealing with some really significant hardships, you know, maybe grief um, or, you know, displacement that have been moved around or some behaviour challenges or some health challenges in the family that put a strain on. Some of our parents have not had um, support from their family. So having a time where the children are physically away from their home mm. It, you know, it's so refreshing for a parent. Um, I've got six children. I know what that can be like. And mm. I'm really blessed to have family that support us in that way. But a lot of whanau are isolated. And um, so on on one extreme, you know, you have some really great, really precious families doing so well. Um, and this can just be the icing on the cake to help with those things. And mm-hmm. then at the other extreme, we have whanau that are really at their wits end and, um They've tried everything they can and the behaviour for their children might be so extreme that it's really taking a toll mentally, emotionally, you know, on everybody. Um, Or it may be the parents that are unwell or the caregivers that are struggling um, and poverty can have an impact and and things like that and certainly the effects of things like the earthquake in Christchurch, the stress levels can be higher. So there's a wide range of whānau that we care for, but each one we believe is precious and... um, and, and chosen to be with us at that time so they get our absolute care and attention uh, so just I guess the facado that the thought is that um, we have this moment in time to pour into them um, and build up their self-worth mm. and take every opportunity even for kids that um, others might find difficult to praise mm. they're our, our biggest joy and spending time with them and being able to acknowledge the great stuff that is just inherently them and uniquely them. Um, I, that's, I love that and mm. our team love that and we thrive on that. So um, I've said to my team often, you know, if you get through the day and if you haven't been able to build this child up, you know, all day long in different ways, wake them up and tell them how incredible they are. You mm. know, like don't let a moment go without building them up. Um, so it's quite a proactive approach that you're taking there. Doubt, you're just yeah. you're wanting to feed in and build them up. Without a doubt, they need yeah. to they need to know. Everybody needs to know that mm. they're they're precious. Um, you know they're they're loved and and I can genuinely say that when our team um, care for kids, whether it's at camp or in our other programs, that sense of covering over them of love mm. and of um, and of care and of nurture mm. is. As, as you know, I, I say to my team, you know, I'll, you care for them as if they're your mm. your own, yeah. and that there's something happens in my spirit when I step into that mode, mm. and the kids call me Amy Boss, um, and 
there is a feeling like they, I feel a little bit like a mother hen just with <laughs> big wings, you know, yeah. ushering them in for, yeah. for, for love and care. But, and, yeah. and talk to me about the, the, I guess the word might be transformation or what do you see emerging yeah. from the children when sure. they have a couple of days of this sort of encouragement yeah. and positive, they come to the camp one way. What are some of the things that you yeah. see? I think this is just, I, th- I think this is a supernatural gift that we have to see. You know, it, it, it makes sense. You put good stuff in, you get good stuff out. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of our children, their very first behavioural successes happen on our on our, our watch and our time with them. And I think it comes down to the belief in them and giving them the skills. Like it's hand in hand. There's, there's the, the praise and the support and the nurture and the, the caring for them. But equally, this is where the hindingaro part of here here tapafa comes in, is that um, we're training and teaching them um, how to recognise when that anger is simmering, or mm. when they've spoken out of turn, or when they've used their hands instead of their words, and you know, training them to backtrack and to own that behaviour and to stop. And we do some really good active apologising and saying we're sorry and showing we're sorry, and restoring relationship and faith. Um, in, in those friendships and things it's all really mm. important but you see kids start to bring out the best in themselves mm. and you see them start to relax that's the greatest thing I find is that by day two at camp or a couple of weeks into some of our programs their true self starts to come out which mm. is just beautiful um, they forget about needing to have bravado or um, or needing to kind of um, I don't know, fend for themselves mm. and they allow themselves to be looked after and, and loved and just, just beautiful things come out come out of them. You know, very grateful. Our children, um, our Tamapo children are the most grateful kids I've ever met, you know, for simple things. They're thankful, um, you know, their, their manners come out, their, um, you know, their affection to one another, they can build friendships and it, it all can happen in a very short space mm. of time. Um, the environment makes a huge huge difference for mm. kids yeah and the camp context is what is able to break maybe the patterns or whatever it is that has led to them being there maybe they're yeah. given a new a, a new opportunity to, to start fresh patterns yes and it gives them a chance to see those patterns at mm. work yeah. to see what it means to be in an environment where the adults are respecting one another and they're respecting the children um, and the little things are taken care of yeah. so that they don't blow up and get and get big yeah. and we don't need to react in in really overt ways we, we can we can manage well together by looking after each other mm. and hearing each other I think kids feel heard uh, there's time this time to be heard and mm. um, it's beautiful yeah. so actually listening to what they say and valuing without their opinions doubt. yes yeah, yeah without a doubt yeah. it's a well, what I think thing. you need to do is have these camps for adults as well yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I think a lot of the things that you're talking about many many adults could learn Absolutely. or you know that well just think about it as an adult how often do people build other people up that's right you know yeah. and the reality is what you're talking about I mean I was listening to a podcast the other day and I loved this phrase he said we're all ex-children yes you know and that right. if you look at somebody and you see a hardened person who has mm-hmm. no love and is very difficult mm-hmm. at some point they were a four-year-old child that's who right. was just learning about the world and sometimes it's it's hard to remember that but you know if 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 as an adult if we yeah. could take on some of these principles and things and actually be building each other up yes and be speaking words of creative encouragement yep. to each other saying wow what you did there was really great mm. you know whatever it was um that might Absolutely. be a transforming thing 
one of the programs that Tamapo runners inspire, which is a parents group. Uh, and I love it for that very reason, you know. Um, oh gosh, I love it. It's really neat. The, the, the parents or caregivers come in to our little whare, our, our house mm. in Limwood, and, um, and it's just a chance to serve them and build them up and talk about their skills. And we do some practical parenting, um, you know, skilling, upskilling. Mm. Mm. But it's about community again. It's about whānau again. Mm. And um, we have some great times. So you're right, it would be, would be neat to have a retreat, you know, for, yeah. for parents. I mean, people are working really hard. Nobody out there is wanting to... to um, you know, forget the fundamentals of parenting and, and things. Everyone wants to do a great mm. job. Mm. Um, but again, you get in what you put out. And for, as you say, a lot of our, a lot of us adults, we're going on, running on empty. <laughs> yeah. So. Yep. Just surviving from week to week mm. and, and not having the space, the mental space to step back and right. think about things. What are some of the, the principles that you would be talking through parents? Yes. Yeah. We work with um, the Building Awesome Fano program which is um, the toolbox parenting uh, group um, work and we take some of what they have put together and we sort of timaporaize it mm, yep. <laughs> um, but again praise you know building kids up um, we look at types of parenting and how you can be your child's uh, best coach mm -hmm. and bring out the best in them um, but having some really clear expectations around their behaviors and not sort of giving into little little things so we work on that um, we look at just as you were saying, we look at backgrounds, like where we've come from and what our learned responses are as an adult and how we've learnt about the world as children and what we want to pick up and carry on to the next generation and what we want to cut off and, mm. and say goodbye to. Mm. Um, we talk a lot, we talk about um, uh, whakatauki from, from the Bible and, uh, and about how that can sort of spearhead our responses really positive affirmations that build us up and build our kids up mm. um and we spend a lot of time talking about the our children what works for them you know we find find what works for them and we share a few of the tips and tricks that we use at camp mm. um around addressing behaviors um but also mostly around those antecedents like getting in early mm. and making sure that the bulk of our work is around looking after their needs before an expression of you know, unhappiness comes from from your child. Yeah. We talk about active listening, mm -hmm. you know, really hearing what's going on for your child and boundaries around things like social media um, and friendships and, you know, household rules. We establish what they might look like in, in their whare and in their whānau. Mm. So it's a really good, a yeah. really good um, toolkit. Um, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, as you know, I'm a parent myself, and one of the things that you appreciate is that every child is unique and yes. different, and the response to the first child might be different Absolutely. to the second <laughs> one and the third one or whatever. Um, so I think I just think it's good to, to talk about these things yeah. because I think there's not enough talking about being positive with your children. Yes, and, sure. And so I'm just curious if you're, you know, some people who are listening to this will have children. They're mm. probably thinking how does this relate to me or, or what, what are some things that I could look to implement mm. that would actually benefit yeah. my, my children? Are there, you know, I, I don't know, maybe two or three things that you would encourage people to consider? Yes, absolutely. Um, 
I guess some of our tricks and tips are we talk about catching your child being good. So um, waiting rather than waiting for a moment where your child's natural goodness sort of pops up. Mm. And sometimes, I mean, we're in like the third week of the school holidays post-Christmas. It's a long stretch. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yes. it's hard to see some of those natural great qualities sort of popping up. Mm. But if you're, if you're trying to catch them, that means you're actively, uh, even if you can think of a visual of standing there with the you know, the softball glove, you know, ready right. to catch any moment that comes your way. And sometimes that means getting in before the negative behavior hits mm. and saying, I'm so glad you chose not to hit back then. Mm. Well done. Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of you. Um, and another great so often we tend to focus on the negative behavior, Absolutely. don't we? And we're trying to stop doing that yes. rather than that was a good thing that you did. Isn't Absolutely. It? Let's mm. get in first and remind them that their natural response is often a good one. Mm-hmm. It's just that when it's left and you know, <laughs> can come out negatively. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's a great one. Catch them being good. Be active because for that and listeners yeah. for that. You know, hear when your child's being kind and or when they're being patient or when they haven't um, interrupted. Yeah. You know, make a point of saying, you know, I know you wanted to speak to me then, but you didn't come in and interrupt. And I'm just so proud about that. That's mm. great. Because just picking up on what you're saying as well, there's another aspect of this, isn't mm. there, that we have to be present as yes. well. Yeah. Because very often... Um, I've talked about this before, just thinking about how busy our lives are. Mm. Sometimes I think parents can be in the same room as the children, but not actually yes. be present with Absolutely. the children because we've got distractions in terms of a phone and checking messages and mm. Facebook or whatever. So we might think that we're there, but yeah. we're not really there. Is that something that you talk through as well? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, definitely. I think, I think when it comes down to all of our possessions and all the things that make up our life there's nothing more important and precious than our kids and Mm. and then our family and so our time and our energy has to reflect that Mm. and um if we were to ask parents you know out of a hundred percent what is you know how much how much of that percent is 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 your child the important amount of they wouldn't be saying two percent or (laughs) twenty percent you know our kids they're right up there they're a hundred percent important you know um so does that reflect in in how we are connecting with them you know yeah. do we give them 100% of our attention when they're talking to us yeah. do do we make sure that we're playing with them mm. actively and presently mm. and it's a challenge isn't it because you might say well I'm quite busy I'm working hard in order to provide for my family yes but that working hard means that you're working late and I've been guilty of this before mm. you know I've, I'm working on it all the time yes but maybe I'm working late many nights in a week mm. or I have to go in on the weekend or do, do something yeah. which takes me away from, as you say, when you look back when you're 80 or 90, looking mm. back on your life, you're not going to say, man, I wish I spent more exactly. time in the office. It's going to be about the people and the relationships. So That's right. But also to encourage parents that it's not necessarily quantity time. It's, it's, it really is quality time. Right, right. It's, it's those times that you get when it's you and your kids mm. that you can make the most of that moment. I have six children and very differing needs. Three of them have special needs mm. um, and, and one in particular some high and complex needs. And it shapes the family in a different a different way. And we have to be creative. Um, Dan and I, you know, um, when they were younger and their needs were all, you know, their um, age and development was all similar. We, we had 
pyjama playtime every night, whereas a family, we, we did something intentionally together. But mm. now that they're spread out and their needs and development um, needs are different, we have to be really creative about how we make that work. But if I need to pop down and get bread, I'll take one of them and mm. we'll make that into a quality time experience. Mm. Um, so it's just thinking a little bit on your toes perhaps a little bit about how the time you have with your children can be meaningful. Yeah. And the other thing that I'd add um, just as a starting point is thinking about the five love languages. Mm-hmm which is physical touch, um, is quality time, is words of affirmation, good building up praise words, is gift giving. And the fifth one is, mm. what is the fifth one? Mm. It's not coming, jumping to mind, because <laughs> you were so confident in saying yeah. it. I was, just, I was just listening. I wasn't really thinking. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I I'll, have the book. I'll so. come back on that. But, you know, I mean, thinking about some creative things to do yeah. in that regard. If you've got a child that loves gifts, then writing a wee, yes. a wee note or, you know, words of affirmation, speaking yes. out who they are. You know, you are a great, strong young man. Yes. You know, um, <laughs> physical touch, making sure that, you know, there, there is that yeah. hug and that kiss at the end of the night or, mm. or that, you know, that you're giving them a high five or that there's this tender time when you're mm. watching TV, make sure it's sitting beside them, you know, and you're actively involved together in that yeah. in that show and you're chatting about it. Yeah. Um, so it's just being, uh, maybe just spending a bit of time to be aware of, of the individual needs, isn't it? And, yeah. and not focusing on the collective of the children, but thinking through each one. Because one thing, I mean, I'm loving this conversation because it's so relevant to me as a parent. <laughs> um, one of the things I wonder about is if you've got more than two children say or one or, you know you mm. um but well your example you've got six children yes how important is that one-on-one time or that individual time mm. where you're taking them to the shop or doing something else yeah. just with them we used to have mummy dates and daddy dates quite regularly where mm. we just take one child at a time and as the years have gone on and they've got a wee bit bigger it's harder to kind of mm. do that quite like we used to and cost effectively as well um, so I guess it's just making the most of those those small moments. Mm. I'm I'm not as good at it as I'd love to be. Like it's yeah. a it's a it's continual a challenge, challenge yeah, 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 to find um, the time. And they all need something quite different. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because my wife, uh, when our first uh, child was born, and then she was two years old, I took her away, just her and me, mm. um, for a night, mm. and we went off to. At the time, we were living in Japan, <laughs> and we went to this place. It was like a sea world, you know, oh, dolphins wow. and all that type of thing. And it was just the two of us, and mm. we went in the pool at the hotel, and it was mm. really fun. And when we got back, my wife commented that she felt like there was this deeper connection yeah. that we had never had. You know, sure. I was her father before, just the same, but it was that actually spending time yeah. with this child mm-hmm. that had made a big, uh, quite a profound impact. Yes. And, when I can, I've tried over the years to take each one of them away yeah. if I can. Not every year. It hasn't worked out all the time, but to purposefully go away with them yes. and have a camping trip mm. or, you know, go off to some event or mm. whatever it is. And mm. I think it I makes think, a big difference. I think it's it's fantastic. It's all good stuff. But again, for families that, you know, maybe solo parenting or their circumstances or situations are not... Um, the relationship between yeah. parent or caregiver and child is not that easy. Yeah. Um, little things can be done to build up the spirit of a child mm. uh, every day um, without you know needing to to be to be big stuff. Yeah. And so I'd, talk us through like one or two examples of that. What would what yeah. would you say? What would you encourage people? Well, it's little things. It's things like um, 
it's things like hearing something about their day that mm-hmm. may not be what did you learn or what did you do or who did you play with, but just hearing something about their day that that um, they enjoyed their apple for lunch or mm. um, that so-and-so was late to class. And it doesn't need to be anything absolutely relevant, but if you can feed back that you've heard that from them, it's mm. it's an it's a integral part of listening and having a conversation is being able to feed back what you've heard from your child and that builds their self-worth because mum, dad, caregiver, whoever's looking after me is listening. Mm. Um, it's it's that physical affection, you know, whether it's a squeeze around the shoulders or whether it's a, a high five or a tossle of the hair yeah. um, that communicates that, you know, you're important to me mm. and you matter to me. I think it's starting the day well. It's being intentional about saying, Good morning, and I'm, I'm I'm glad we've got a new day together. And right. it's neat to see your face this morning, and yeah. you look terrific in mm. that in that school uniform or whatever. And being intentional at night time, you know, as a family, we cut a care together, we, we we pray together, and mm. that's a beautiful time to be able to say, "This is as a family, we do this," mm-hmm. and you know, we care about the things that are happening in the day and the little things that are on their mind come that come out then. Yeah, and um, together we can we can talk about them and yeah no i love it i love i love the positive way that you're approaching this as well <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned there was just sort of the end of the day and you had earlier said something about rules for the mm. family or family rules yes can you talk us through what does that mean for you know when you're talking about family rules mm. or having something that is unique to your family sure what, what sort of shape could that take for people yeah. who are listening and thinking oh maybe i should yeah, think about that. family rules are great, and I don't think when I think of family rules, I don't think of a written rule set. You know, mm. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Way more freedom than that. I think about it's a co-papa, and in, in, in Te Reo Māori, co-papa embraces um, all things like an agenda or a, a sense of being or a purpose, mm. or um, and it's broad. It encompasses who you are and how you live and um, what you're passionate about. So I think your family rules should be that, something mm-hmm. that you as a family are passionate about, you know, amplifying. Um, so I'm not really talking about, you know, take your shoes off at the door or right. wipe the mud off your feet or, you know, wash your hands before you, you know, touch the wallpaper or rules <laughs> like that. I'm talking more about what's important to you, you know. It's important that when we, like in our family, when we talk to each other, we look each other in the eye, you mm-hmm. know, we're we're... Mm-hmm. We want to take in what, what we're saying. And in our family, we say sorry when we've done something wrong. We own it and we and we say we're sorry and we show we're sorry by, by making it up. And I think that's a really cool way to start thinking about family rules is saying in our family we. What is it that makes us us, you know? Mm. Um, in our family, it's important to eat together or in our family, we spend Saturdays together or in our family, we make sure... You know, we hug everybody goodnight or things like that, you know. Yeah. Um, really easy things that are just important, naturally important to you. So it doesn't have to be a, a, a rule a rule set. Mm. Um, we have some broad uh, kaupapa, some broad rules and ideas for both our family and our, our Tamapo family. And the first one is about being kind to others, you know, and, and kind behaviour looks like this. It looks like sharing. It looks like asking and using our words it looks like um you know saying positive things it looks like you know not using bad you know name calling or mm. put downs or things like that and then the second um rule for for our tamapo is to be 
to to take care of the stuff so to be mindful of the things that we've been given and take care of it and so that includes things like taking your shoes off at the fuddy or um, not running around inside or being careful with the things that we've got and then our last um, our last rule is a secret code it's EBEFAS which is be safe backwards and that just encompasses all the things that are common sense around what we should and could and you know mm. um, do so it, it, it's things like you know not being where you shouldn't be or um, having an adult with you when you're crossing the road or making sure that your caregivers can see you or that you're asking if you need to go you know away from the group and, and mm. those sorts of things and three simple rules keeps us all happy and keeps safe the, keeps things humming along definitely yeah, that's great it kind of has parallels and it's, it's not doesn't quite match but in the entrepreneurial startup world people quite often talk uh, there's a guy who came out with a book called start with why right which the the, the point is that you've got to know why you do things sure. and yeah. then the what you do and the how you do it flows from the why yes but if you get the why right then everything else naturally comes. I love that. And, and too often people focus on what you do and how you do it. Yes. And they don't think about why they do it. Absolutely. And it kind of strikes me that what you're talking about, the rules or the foundation for the family or for Tim Mapua, mm. you know, that that's kind of setting the scene or the why are we here mm. type of Yes, that's ethos. great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I think the, the word Tim Mapua means the precious and that would be, very much the why you know mm. what why do we do what we do because these kids are precious right. and they're who they are inherently as a gift to this world and i think i love that i love that for Carl, that idea that mm. um you know figuring out why you do what you do informs what you do <laughs> yeah exactly yeah well I, I just love to draw those parallels between mm. different ways of thinking and just talk me through when you first began um this organization mm. tim Apua, and I guess what the road's been like over the years. You say you've been doing it yes. for about 20 years. Yeah. I think there will be people listening who are maybe at the beginning of a journey, maybe about to sure. start a charity or a not-for-profit or whatever. Mm. And then there'll be some people who are five years in, 10 years in. Mm. What's been your perspective looking back after 20 years? You know, What sort of things have you learned? Yeah. Um, so 20 years ago, I was much younger. <laughs> and, <laughs> and full of great big dreams but I was really blessed and fortunate um, that when it came to the structure of setting up a charitable trust um, our, our church uh, actually covered us in those first few years and set that up under their banner right. um, which meant that I could do what I was good at which mm -hmm. was caring for the kids mm. and building a team and the other stuff that I'm terrible at, the paperwork and all of that kind of stuff, you know, was handled for us. Mm -hmm. And as we've grown, um, we've become more, you know, we've become independent um, as a charitable organisation. Mm. Um, yeah, so that, there's been some growth in that perspective. But also I think in terms of the charity, we started with camps as our base and then very quickly realised that school holidays um, were not the only times that, children were in need and so all the other programs have been developed from that point and um, you know now every day we are in schools every day we, we run breakfast and transport programs to help children that would otherwise be truant or late to school to to get where they need to get mm -hmm. in a in a safe and healthy way and mm -hmm. uh, we have groups in schools where we work with kids needing some support around their 
behaviour and around their um, esteem and things like that. Mm. We have mana mentoring where it's that same thing we were talking about in the parental context where there's a an adult giving active, attentive time and building up a young person and that's that's fantastic. And our children's camps now um, range from children aged 2 through to 14. Mm. So the scope... Um, of what we do now is, is, is broad. And then just this year we're starting a new um, team for early intervention that are working with the zeros to fives um, and our parenting program is in, in there and also uh, our new initiative, ACO, which is a play space where parents can come and learn mm-hmm. how to um, instill those great things in their children yeah. in a really non-threatening, wonderful environment. So that's, that's so it's grown quite a lot since, it's grown the, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> since it really the original has. running some camps and it things. It has and grown a lot. It's grown many different areas. Mm. How do you keep up your energy levels with sort of so many things going on yes. at the same time? The key for me is FaceTime with the kids. Mm-hmm. That's what fuels me. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing, seeing children... Um, be blessed by what we do and by who the team is, that that fuels my passion. Mm. I'm first a mum and a, and a wife, and so, uh, but the balancing act can be, be a bit tricky at times. Mm. Uh, but you know, when you're passionate about something and when you know it's it's making a meaningful difference, mm. then I, I see myself doing this for the rest of my days. And I mean, team. We need team. We need family around us. We mm. need um, people with a similar heart, similar spirit. And with great skills, mm. who can help, you know, uh, do this. And our team is brilliant. Um, we have about fifty uh, volunteers, uh, key volunteers that mm. work with us above and beyond their own jobs, mm. and social workers, and teachers, and child psychologists, and and, and people that are working mm. in the field, um, in their day job, but then are giving of themselves above and beyond, and and, and dads, and mums, and uncles, and aunties, and just people that. Uh, a really great caliber, and then when they combine that with our training, and um, and our, our protocols for care for kids, and it's just a it's just great. It's mm. a great thing. So that keeps me yeah. inspired. They yeah. inspire me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's exciting, and that comes back to that word now that we were talking yeah. about at the beginning, isn't it? Because you're talking about a web of relationships, yes, absolutely. where everybody's connected and they're all inputting. And the more time you spend with people, the the, the deeper and stronger Absolutely. those links become. Yeah, yeah. so true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm just curious because we've talked quite a bit about um, Tereo and yeah. and Maori aspects of culture and what you've brought mm. into what you're doing in Te Mapua. Yes. Can you just describe a little bit more about how that's influenced maybe your perspective or your worldview mm. and what you're doing? Yeah. So my family... Um, we grew up here in Christchurch, away from our marae, um, and my my dad lost his father early as as a young boy, and so our connection to our whakapapa up north was severed. So I grew up in Christchurch in your fairly typical mainstream European English kind of setting, mm-hmm. but for me there's always been a call of my heart to reconnect with with the Māoridom um, and my cultural heritage. And as I, I didn't have much exposure at all as a, um, a child or even as a young person to Te Ao Māori, the Māori world, mm. but as a young adult I've sought it out and um, have been learning some um, reo and things and I'm a part of a kapahaka group um, 
this year and doing a bachelor's degree in um, Māori performing arts and have wanted to kind of gain some knowledge about, uh, you know, about my heritage. But I think more than the learning, it's just part of who I am. Like it surprises me the things that naturally I will do when you learn about it or study about it in and, and, and the Māori world, it's very much a Māori viewpoint and a Māori world view, um, but it's inherent in me. So the two the two are relating, but it's mm. like what came first, the chicken or the, yeah. the egg, you know? Yeah, like there's it's, a natural alignment, it Exactly, like. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just who I am and how I work, and, um, but it, it, it matches beautifully. So I think there's a lot to be said for just what's in you, isn't there? And mm. then recognising that that's a cultural gift as well mm. um, but I just love I just love the way Māori think about people people are the most important thing um, the land and the grounding of who we are and having a tūranga waiwai a strong standing place like a, a, a position of strength of mm. knowing who you are and what you're about all of that is just so valuable for us as people and and our tamariki and and rangatahi all of that is is sublim, subliminally important mm. Yeah, I agree with you. My daughter goes to, um, or she was at a little kindergarten, and so she came home one day and she said, I, I'm going to say my mihi. Oh, and it great. Was like, oh, what? You can do that? That's <laughs> so great. So it, it was awesome. And the, the people running that um, very much are building in te reo yeah. into what the children are learning. And I think it's awesome to I love have it. that extra extra aspect to that extra dimension absolutely um, i guess being myself from overseas originally mm. i actually moved to new zealand when i was seven years old right so this is my home um but i have other cultural things that i can draw yes. on as well so my mother was born in panama oh, so wow. spanish and latin american culture is a big part of my heritage mm. and i guess reconnecting with that has yeah. been really fun because the latin way of doing things is actually probably similar to yes. what you're describing you know focus on people and community um, yeah. as opposed to the more western sort of like we talked about before the individual yes. being the number one thing so, absolutely yeah. yeah that's good i know that some people listening are going to want to find out more where can they go to or how can they reach out to find out more that would be great we just we welcome interest and and you know some people might be able to give time or energy or um or just send some karakia up for us or some sponsorship um where we have a website www.temapua.com and that lists most of our programs not some of our newer ones but um there's a big list there and my email is the best way to touch base with me um but it's a community you know feeding back into community so uh, we would. I'd love to hear from anybody that was keen to hear more or um, wanted to get involved in some way. Mm. Children are worth it. They're they're our precious tongue. They're our gift, and I think we've all got something to give. So, mm. yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Well, what I'm hoping is that people are listening, even if they're not in Christchurch, they might mm. be encouraged by what you're doing. Wonderful. Not even potentially in New Zealand, they might be yes. overseas as well. But just to have that focus on children so yes. it's awesome so it's great that they can reach out and you know find out more um, thank you so yeah, much yeah no it's been a real pleasure to talk with you and I think looking back at your life you know right back to the beginning mm. you had foster children coming in mm. and you were seeing different faces at the dinner table yes and that was kind of teaching you a different way of, of thinking about others yes and then through you know even as a young person in high school and getting involved in camps and then setting up Te Mapua, mm. I think it's just a real uh, it's it's very 
I guess the story is very consistent through mm. your life about mm. what's been important to you, what's driven you, and what's what you've valued. Yes. And I think we've been able to go quite deep in many different topics, mm. and not just about children, but also about parents, Absolutely. which ultimately, if we want to help children, if we can yes. give parents the tools, then hopefully there will be cycles that can be yes, broken. Yes, that's, the, that's you know, the hope. The next generations coming would have learned skills. That's right. So, yeah, so I just want to say thank you very much for coming in today and having thank a you. chat and all the best with what you're doing. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. No problem. I'm always tempted when I finish these interviews to say I hope you enjoyed the interview, but actually in many cases I hope you're challenged by the interview and that it actually makes you think about things in a new way. I know for me, talking with Amy about those concepts like Fanau and talking about community in a much wider sense than I normally think about it was really challenging, and I hope it was for you as well. Also, if some of what Amy said resonated, then why not go to their website and check them out and maybe even see if there's a way that you can get involved in what they're doing. In talking with Amy, it was clear that what's going on at Te Mapua is a real team effort, and there's heaps and heaps of volunteers and people helping out. So just a quick word of encouragement to all of you. I think it's amazing what you're doing, and keep it up. We need more people like you who really care working with our children. Now next week, we're going to be speaking with Michael Trengrove, who founded Code Club Aotearoa, and that's a group which goes into primary schools throughout the country and teaches them how to code and all about software. So he describes his origins working on farms in rural New Zealand, but then how he spent quite a bit of his life in Brazil and what that did in terms of giving him a focus. Here's an excerpt from the interview with Michael. Absolutely. And I mean, Code Club in, in its essence is is, is a startup. It's, it's, uh, it's a business that comes under a uh, charitable trust banner. Any income we get goes back into our charitable mission yeah but has all the challenges of of mm. running a business um, if not more because we need to exactly. convince people to give us money based on the output that we're providing to yeah. others and it's been a real challenge to clearly communicate that the, the impact we're having by providing free education yeah. and i think that's been hard for people to to grapple and hold on to well i'm sure you're going to enjoy that conversation with michael next time and don't forget this is the 24th episode so there's plenty of other things in the back catalogue to check out. Why not have a listen to one of them, like Kit Hendon on the importance of slowing down, or Dr. James Austin from Harvard Business School on the early origins of social enterprise. And if you enjoy what you hear, then why not tell somebody else who might appreciate it as well. Until next time. Mm -hmm.